Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Boldly Pursuing Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Henderson. Here we have conversations with friends who are stepping out and doing what God has called them to do in order to help encourage you to do the same. On today's podcast, we have my friend Amy DiMarcangelo. This conversation got a little spicy. Oh, it was so good. And I am so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I feel like we touched on so many topics that people have about faith, just these questions. We just hit on so many of these. We talked about the saying, God cares more about your holiness than your happiness and why we should probably drop that saying. We talked about uh, what we do when the good life doesn't fill you. When we talked about, you know, how we we kind of sweep these like respectable quote unquote sins under the rug. Just this was such a good conversation and we touched on so many things. I think this is going to be such an encouragement to you guys. So here is my conversation with Amy. Amy, my friend, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad we could finally get this scheduled. Finally. It's it's like the the podcast that was never going to happen because it was yes. just thing after thing that here we are. We're we're finally recording. We made it. It's so good to to talk to you. Oh, I'm so glad. I've okay. missed you, friend. I have missed you too. All right. For those that might not know you yet, would you introduce yourself real quick for our listeners? Yes. My name is Amy D. Marcangelo. I um I'm the author of the book, A Hunger for More, which released with Crossway this past May. I've also been married for almost 14 years. I have three kids. Isaac is 10. He actually just broke his arm last night. So that's the fun adventure in our house. Oh, my word. His right arm, right at the start of school. So uh, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, And then I have Reed, who is eight. And Tulsi, who is seven, and she's our daughter who we adopted from India. We have a dog, Santino. I never thought I'd be a dog person, but I have apparently become a dog person now. And I am a homeschooling mom. So I do, I'm, life's pretty busy, but I do a lot of little things. So I write, I homeschool my kids, and then I'm also in grad school at Westminster Theological Seminary pursuing a master's in theological studies. I love that. Oh, you're poor kiddo. Okay, this is really random. What kind of dog do you have? A Bernadoodle. So he's half poodle, oh, half Bernie's mountain dog. We have dog. a golden doodle. Um, oh, really? Yes, but one of my friends just got a Bernadoodle. And it is the cutest thing ever. But I, I'm i going to get in trouble from Jake for <laughs> for saying this. But you were talking about you didn't used to be a... Or you never thought you'd be a dog person. So we have a dog, but we also have farm cats, you know? And mm. my husband has never been a cat person, <laughs> but we have the sweetest kittens now. And the other morning he was leaving to go to the ranch at like five o'clock in the morning. And he had his hot coffee in his like to-go mug on his arm. He was on his way to his pickup and he bent down to pet the kittens and spilled scalding hot coffee all over his arm. And I was like, <laughs> you're a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I am not a cat person. I'm like, you have third degree burns because you tried to pet the kittens before you went to yeah, work. And he was like, I am official. not. 
It is official now. Yeah. So I, every time now, I just crack up because I'm like, you're a cat person now. Who would have thought that Mr. Cowboy, like, manly man rancher is burning himself trying to pet the cats before work? (laughs) Completely off subject. But when you said that, I was like, okay, yeah. So we we all become the things that we made fun of before. I mean, for real, we like really I do things do. the way that I am with my dog now. I'm like, I used to make fun of people like this. Why am I like this? But I can't help it. I just love them so much. And it doesn't <laughs> stop with pets. Like, I mean, I was the person that said I would never homeschool. And look who's homeschooling. Like, mm-hmm. I was... I mean, I'm making my own sourdough. I got a garden. I got chickens. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Me 10 years ago would be like, oh my word, what have we turned into? But you know, you just, you do it. God has a sense of humor, always leading us into the things that we didn't think. For sure. All right. Well, getting on on topic, finally, uh, talking about your book that came out, A Hunger for More, your subtitle like really caught my attention, The Finding Satisfaction in Jesus When the Good Life Doesn't Fill You. Like I kind of stepped on my toes a little bit, like in a, oh, wow, because I think so many times we really think that the good life will fill us, right? Yeah. I think especially just in our modern day when there's so many conveniences available to us, so many um, comforts available to us that we, well, and even in this culture of, you know, setting goals, which is good. Like I believe I set goals and, and going after, but then we can start to think like, well, if I get that, then I'll be happy. I mean, talking about this book, I have dreamed of writing a book for as long as I can remember. So it Mm -hmm. literally was like a childhood dream come true, but that the book itself, it was, you know, a gift from God. I enjoyed that process, but it didn't satisfy me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are just so many good things in my life. I think so part of the reason I wrote this book was my own struggles of feeling like, why do I feel like I still hunger for so much more when I know I've been really blessed? Like I grew up in a stable, safe, loving Christian home. That's a lot of people that's not their story. So I know and appreciate that blessing. I have a great husband. My kids are great. Like, there's just a lot of blessings in my life. I've been going to a wonderful church for years where I have godly friendships and receive care. And yet, even with all these good things, so it's like I have all these good things lined up, and yet my heart can just be like craving, just craving more. And um, I think I used to view that as a bad thing. Like, well, this just means I'm discontent. Like Mm -hmm. this, God's given me all this. Why am I just not content? And I feel like the Lord, you know, in the process of coming up with the idea for this book and then writing it has just been showing me how the craving that we have is a gift from Him because He wants to satisfy us. So where I would want to try to hush my my cravings because they feel uncomfortable, you know, or numb them. I think that's when we we turn to things as mm-hmm. numbing agents because we don't want to feel that discomfort when really that discomfort is an invitation to seek the Lord and to seek to know Him more and to know Him in these depths of whatever it is you're craving, whether you're feeling this craving for love and relationship, finding the deepest parts of that in the Lord. So yeah, so this book was just uh, the result of wrestling through I have a good life. Why don't I feel satisfied? Is this sinful discontentment? And then realizing 
it can lead to sinful discontentment, but no, what it is, is God's invitation for me to know him more. So I need to lean into this rather than trying to quiet this craving that I have. Yeah. I feel like you just described something that I have walked through recently. And I talked about this, I think I talked about it on Instagram the other day, but kind of along the same path, but like looking at success and how we view success. And I even used my book as an example of you think you think success are, is these big things, right? Like launching a book. And then when it leaves you feeling empty, you're so disappointed because you're like, that's the thing I've wanted for so long. And this summer, I had this just crazy revelation of how satisfied I felt in the smallest moments every day, like mm-hmm. with my kids in the garden and, you know, little moments like that, where it was like, I felt like God was saying like, this is like, this This is what I have for you. Like it's, it's not mm-hmm. these big accomplishments where you're going to find satisfaction, but it's in me in these little moments through the day when it's often things that we would just like brush over or not think about. But it was just kind of this eye-opening thing, kind of like what you were talking about of feeling like it was a discontentment, but it was actually mm-hmm. God saying like, hold on, I'm just trying to shift your focus a little bit. But I think yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think so many of us struggle with that, but I had never thought of it like you described as a gift. I had thought the same thing about this is discontentment. Why Why do I keep feeling like this? Like mm-hmm. you're failing as a Christian, right? Yeah. And I think so much of that too is are bent towards self-sufficiency. So it's like, I want to come to a place where I've arrived. Like I have discovered God's will for my life and I have you know, conquered this or, and it's just that I don't want to feel that dependence on God. And so when God keeps bringing me back to this, even as he's faithful to, you know, to lead me to walk in his ways, that when God brings back that uncomfortable feeling, it's because he wants me to live in a state of being dependent on the spirit all the time. Like we are, you know, walk by the spirit. And like you're saying in the ordinary things of life, like it's not just in these big things. It's in satisfaction is going to come when I'm engaging the Lord throughout the day in the minute, small, nothing to write home about ways. That's going to be where I get to know him more and and get to know his surpassing worth. You know, nothing compares to the surpassing worth mm-hmm. of knowing Christ. And, but I need to kind of see, to appreciate that we have to be able to recognize like the lesser worth of other things. So when I see, oh, this, this big thing that I'd always dreamed of doing didn't fulfill me. Oh, well, well, Christ fulfills me. Yeah. So I think there's just this constant wrestling that by nature that we have, and it's good because it's God wanting us to live in dependence on the Holy Spirit and wanting us to even just not take for granted what we know about him, but to dig deeper, you know, when you've been a Christian for a long Mm -hmm. time. So I think that's it. I write about in the chapter. So each chapter covers a different thing that we crave as just as humans. So we crave wonder, uh, just a sense of wonder and and things being in a place where things are bigger than ourselves. We crave love. Uh, You know, everyone wants to be known and loved for who they are. And we want to feel that security of someone who would never leave will never leave us. And we all crave grace. So on that chapter, I have in because I grew up in a Christian home and because I was sort of a good girl too, like I didn't just grow up in a Christian home. I think I genuinely loved the Lord and was following the Lord from a young age. 
So I used to struggle with feeling like I couldn't understand God's grace the way other people could. Because, you know, if someone was saved from, you know, life um, taking drugs or, or just really greedy and living for the wrong things for their whole life and then have this drastic change. And so I felt like, well, I already know about God's grace. I know I need forgiveness. And because I know all these things, it's hard to feel freshly grateful for it and to be amazed by it because I'm just used to it. And so I felt like I, in a way, was missing out. Like, because I never had this crazy story, mm-hmm. I must, I'm just never going to be, get to be like the people who are amazed at God's grace all the time. Yeah. And through that, God just showed me, like, I just had a very small sense of one, the seriousness of my sin. So even though my sin was more socially acceptable, just the seriousness of my sin and the greatness of his holiness. And the more I'm understanding how holy God is and how far my heart is from Him naturally when the Spirit's not helping me and when, or when I'm not walking by the Spirit and just how quickly I can turn to sin and sinful thoughts. And God just really has increased my amazement at His grace. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think that, that that's one, that was one of the first chapters I wrote because I think that would resonate with a lot of people who've grown up in the church and they didn't go through a season of rebellion. They didn't go through this prodigal son type of situation. And they can feel like, well, will I ever even know God the way that this other person does? Like, because I had a good life. And so I hope this book is showing people like, yes, like you can know the depths and riches of God's grace the more you dig into understanding who He is. Yeah, we have a very similar story. I I also grew up in a Christian home. I did, I rebelled some. I had a little season of, of rebellion <laughs> and then I came back. But still, it's backing up to something you said earlier. Um, when we feel like there's going to be this moment where we like, reach it. I feel like even if we've been Christian, as long as we can remember, sometimes we think there's going to be this point that we get to, or we look at other Christians and think that, you know, it's kind of an up and down relationship with God until you hit a certain point. Mm. Like you get to be a good enough Christian after this up and down that you're going to hit this certain point and then it's just straight sailing. And I have felt that and that has left me frustrated and even though I know like logically that's not true, I've, in talking to other people, I know I'm not alone in this, but I think there's this feeling of we almost get bored or frustrated with trying to stay close to God because we look mm-hmm. at other Christians and are like, well, they have it and I don't. What am I doing wrong? So mm-hmm. I think you you kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of us <laughs> struggle with that and feeling... Like, well, once I hit this level of spiritual maturity as that person, and we feel frustration over our inability to change sometimes or or our lack of seeing growth where it's like, wait, I still struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I've been struggling with this for over a decade. Mm-hmm. How am I still struggling with this? And just wanting to, you know, there's a good end of obviously we want to fight and grow, like fight our sin, grow in godliness. Um, but some of that, again, goes back to this self-sufficiency is really, I realize that sometimes I just, I don't want to need God's help. I just don't want things to help to tempt me. 
So I think of spiritual maturity sometimes as not being tempted when really we're going to continue wrestling in sin for the rest of our lives until God brings us to our resurrected life. Mm -hmm. Like we are going to wrestle with sin and we're going to grow because of the spirit sanctifying work. So there should be growth and change, but we can't expect to ever get to this like point of maturity when we're too godly to struggle with certain things because it's just the reality of life in a fallen world. And that even that, even those temptations are then an invitation to go back to Christ, to see him as the, the better thing where when we fall and we taste the bitter fruit of sin, like Christ is better. I knew he was better and he, he is. And where we can be freshly amazed by his grace of knowing I knew better I still did it. I spurned his grace, and yet he still accepts me and forgives me and welcomes me home. And just that that should be, so in some ways, as we grow in spiritual maturity, I think our sin should hit us a little bit harder, but also his grace hits us all the more, that we see, we learn to look at his grace and his forgiveness and his just power over our lives to help us change in a way that we didn't understand before. Yeah. I really like that you talk about the respectable sins. You know, I think a lot of us, I think you put into words what a lot of us have felt, but not really been able to verbalize, you know, and recognizing those, you know, quote unquote, respectable sins that they are just as bad, you know? So this might be kind of a hard question. This is just like throwing this off of here. You talk about, we both know how important local church is, right? Like we both know how important it is to meet with other believers. I know we both love our local churches, but when there's these respectable sins, like running rampant, how do we graciously and lovingly, like, I I guess, where's the line? You know, you don't want to be like, hey, I see you sinning. I see you sinning when we know like our our sins are just as bad, but it's almost like when it starts to become a culture of all the respectable sins getting swept under the rug, but we want to call out certain sins. And and I know I'm not, I'm not just speaking about my church. You know, I'm talking about conversations I've had with so many people and just a, an overall theme in hearing, but I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that because I know how much you also love the local church. Mm. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're saying is one of the reasons why the local church is so important is because we're naturally self-justifiers. We downplay our own sin. So we usually maximize other people's sin against us. Then we downplay our own sin. And that's why we need to be surrounded with other Christians who who will call us out Mm -hmm. and who we can call out. And I think, you know, one of the main things to always evaluate is, is my heart really in a place of love? Am I talking to this person because I'm frustrated at how their sin is affecting me? Or do I care about them? And I'm coming alongside as a fellow Christian who struggles, as someone who knows how much I need support from others to help me grow in godliness. Am I coming alongside of them in a sympathetic way that wants to help them and isn't self-righteous that knows like, hey, maybe I don't even struggle the way that you are with this, but I know how trapped I feel with this sin. So um, 
you know, maybe I don't, I don't struggle with fear of man the way that you do, but I struggle a lot with selfishness and it can be just as, as entrapping. And so, so I think that's a major thing is being able to come alongside in humility of recognizing our own sin and setting, um, even just, I guess, maybe modeling an example of inviting people to speak into our lives. I think once we start doing that to other people, that gives them permission or, or just like, oh, I can, I can ask for input too. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there's things I'm not seeing. Um, so I do think that that's really important. And I think the one, maybe one other thing that would be key in, in this and just trying to cultivate, you know, church communities that aren't tolerating those respectable sins, um, those things that everybody does, the little, little white lies, mm-hmm. the little bit of gossip, the complaining is seeking to confess those things ourselves um, because we might be around people who complaining is so deeply entrenched in their hearts, like, and so common that they, they're just kind of numb to it. But if maybe if I go into a room and I confess how I've been struggling and sinning in the area of complaining, that might help bring to mind to someone else, like, oh, maybe this is something I struggle with too. So I think being just quick to confess our own sin has a very sanctifying effect on those around us. I hope you are loving this conversation so far, friends. Instead of an ad today, we have a fun giveaway to tell you about. So this podcast has climbed to the top 1% of all podcasts globally, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. And I am so, so grateful and just blown away. But I also believe we are just getting started. So podcast reviews are one of the best ways that new friends are able to find the podcast. And that is where this giveaway comes in. So here is the deal. We are giving away one of our popular Go Boldly, either t-shirts or sweatshirt, you get to choose, and a 30-minute coaching call with me. So many of you have dreams or businesses that you want to pursue, but you just feel stuck or you need a little bit of guidance. So the winner gets to brainstorm with me for 30 minutes so we can get you headed on the right track or help you get unstuck and clarify what it is that you are wanting to do. The only thing you have to do is leave us an Apple podcast, five-star rating and review. This literally takes like 30 seconds and screenshot it and email it to info at caitlinahenderson.com. That's it. If you're a Spotify listener, you just give us a five-star rating and screenshot that and email it in. We will uh, post the email address in the show notes too so that you can just copy and paste. But that is it. If We would just love if you would help us get the word out there. And I cannot wait to keep going on this journey with you, friends. Now back to our conversation. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and it's I think it's so often hard to accept our own weaknesses. You know, it's, it's so easy to see everyone around us, like you said, but when it comes to confessing our own, it, and I think that's, that's where community comes into, you know, your, your small groups and the people that you're closer in relationship with. And then maybe it kind of grows into this overflowing thing of people, you know, growing in spiritual maturity and starting to realize these things, which we've talked about spiritual growth and maturity a lot. So what are some other things that someone who is wanting that can can do to start getting there? So do you mean like cultivating that kind of community? Yeah, or cultivating like 
someone who wants to be more spiritually mature or grow Mm. in, in that? I think the number, anytime we want to grow in anything, the number one thing that we need to do is pray, pray that the spirit would help us actually want it. So there, like, I want to love the Lord more, but I don't, you know, there are also days that I like don't. And what I'm praying is like, God, help me want to love you. Like, I don't love you right now. Help me want to love you. Help me want to love these other people. Help me be sensitive to my sin. Help me be quick to look upon your grace and the forgiveness that you offer. Help me see my need for it. So I think prayer is a major thing. Um, And praying together, praying in community with others, that again, is that community aspect of of having friends that you're going to talk about scripture with, that you're going to talk about prayer with, people who are going to point you to the Lord when you're unable to see the Lord yourself. Um, and we, you know, we all go through, so in, in one chapter where you talk about craving comfort, how no matter how good our lives are, we're all going to be in places sometimes where we desperately need comfort. And that's when you want those pieces already in place of the safety of being surrounded by people who will remind you of what is true when you're struggling to believe it reminding you of what, who God says you are, what God is doing, who God, just who God is. Because there's not always going to be an answer for why something's happening. Honestly, more times than not, we probably won't get the answers of why is this happening? Mm -hmm. How is God working this for good? But we can have friends who remind us of who God is. And that can be an anchor for us in times of suffering, when we need comfort, but we need to see that ahead of time. So I think once once we're in seasons of suffering, it's harder to reach out to people. So we want to be just building our lives with rhythms of prayer, scripture reading, and study, and being in community with believers. I think those three things are just crucial to our spiritual health because um, we need to know that we can't do it alone. And we weren't made to. Jesus, you know, Jesus saves us as individuals, but He saved us to be a people mm-hmm. and a family and a body. Like we're you know, where we're called the body of Christ. Like, so we can't just go off on our own. Like it, that's like chopping off your arm and expecting it to remain healthy. Like right. it's going to, it's going to rot away. Yeah. So we need to be connected to the body to stay healthy and we need to be in God's word. We need to be sowing. And, and that's really important, especially when we're so used to God's word. Maybe if we have grown up and things are feeling familiar, or if you're a new, newer Christian, and it's more that it's so confusing, going into the Word and knowing that God has given us His Word because He wants to be known. He wants to speak to us. So this Bible that we have is a gift, and we might not always understand what we're reading. We might not always get the big connections. It's going to take time. It takes diligence. It takes study. But God is going to speak to us through it when we go in with submissive hearts wanting to hear from Him. Um, And God's going to use those scriptures. Sometimes He uses them way later. Things that that didn't feel like they were speaking to us, we might remember six months later when something happens. And so something that felt like a fruitless Bible study all of a sudden is like, oh no, this is my (laughs) lifeline now. And we got to have faith for that. That's part of like having faith for the unseen, that God is always working. So when we're sowing to the Spirit, through prayer and scripture reading and fellowship with others that we might not see this dramatic effect every day, but that over time, 
God is doing a good work and there will be fruit from that. And so even when it's dry and it feels more rote and just something you're doing out of habit, it's still important to continue because you're sowing in faith that God will bring fruit for the future. Yeah. And I think that goes along, uh, made me think with like the community aspect, like there's been times where I've been walking through something and unable to see what God is doing in it. But I have friends or family that from the outside looking in, they're like, they, it's like they have a different viewpoint of it. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. like, how do you not see like God is clearly like, you know, doing this or this. And then it's like, oh, wow, I hadn't even put that together. So I think that's such a a valuable point too of why it's so good to have community like that because God uses them too to help, you know, get through to us. But then going back to talking about the community and like sharing our weaknesses, I've always struggled with being a people pleaser. I mean, I just, I always have. And it's just, it's something that continues to be a struggle for me right now. And I have friends in my life now though, and like my husband who are comfortable enough to call something out when they see it in me in a, in a loving way, you know, mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable. And I, I think even if you're not a people pleaser, like that can't be fun, right? That's probably not fun for anyone, but it's uncomfortable. And so I just, this pop, this thought popped into my mind of just because something is uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. And so I think mm-hmm. if someone if someone doesn't have that community yet or they haven't experienced that yet, um, that maybe that's a good reminder that it is uncomfortable, but that that doesn't make it a bad thing because once I've calmed down or been able to step back and look and see if what these people that love me are saying are true, they have been. And it's been mm-hmm. an eye-opening thing of, oh, you know, and it's it's not comfortable, but it's it's grown me and it's stopped me from getting farther off track than if I would have just kept barreling on on my own. So you saying that just made me like pop back into my head of that's another aspect of I think why this community is so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And what you said is so that the it, just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad. That's so good, especially I mean, just growth in general. Growth comes as a result of discomfort, mm-hmm. things breaking down, things like that's just how and and hard work. Like, you know, God made us to put effort into following him. And I think there there would have been effort even before the fall. It just wouldn't have been distracted by sin. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been work that was good work and but now we have, you know, we're, we're called to put effort into it. If we just think like, oh, I'll just naturally grow in passion for the Lord and naturally grow in love for others. Like that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if our churches are growing, you know, because the gospel is pervading every place, every people, we're going to be in churches with people who think different than us politically, who are in different uh, have different education backgrounds, different opinions on things. So building that kind of community is going to often be very uncomfortable. But that's part of what then spotlights, like the transforming love of Christ that will be people who are natural born enemies mm-hmm. in fellowship with each other because th- what we have in common is being saved by grace. And so if we expect that to happen easily, 
then I think we're not just having a realistic picture of like, no, we're, we're coming with our own stories, our own baggage. And God's going to use that. You know, the verse iron sharpens iron. Like we're going to, it sharpens iron by, by hitting against it. Like it's hard. It's going to hurt. Yeah. And people are going to come up. Our weaknesses are going to irritate others and others weaknesses are going to irritate us. But God is doing that for the, the greater purpose of making us all conforming us all into his image. Yeah. I love that. Um, you talk in here about, you brought up God's love and the love of Christ. What about the person that thinks there's a catch or the person that is, just struggles to believe it's true? Because I think sometimes we've all been there of like, does it, is it really true? Like, what is the catch here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the greatest hangups and questions surrounding our faith is because God's love is so amazing and so, so unlike ours. Because even though we want to think that we have unconditional love, like I know my love's conditional. I know that there are days I love my husband more than other days. I know that there are days that one of my kids becomes my favorite and the other kid I don't want to be around. So, you know, even though on the on the one hand, yes, I love my children. I would do anything for them. I'd die for them. But there are days like, eh, I don't really like you that much. Mm-hmm. And so we presume that God's love is like ours, that it is steady as long as it's reciprocated, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't change as long as we behave. And all those things, all the weaknesses that we carry in love, we can project onto God. And the truth is we see all throughout scripture, and it's not just the New Testament, but I was just reading actually for my class today, for my seminary class, just how even in Exodus, like God delivered the Israelites first. The law didn't even come until later, that that was setting the precedent of like God acts. And then we, our actions are in response to his love that he already set on us. Uh And it's always that way. It's God delivers, God sets free, God God changes us. God brings us to life. And then he shows us how to live. And then he shows us how to reciprocate that love. And so we really need to get that order correct. Because if we think it is based on, yeah, God loves me when I'm doing well. God loves me when I'm growing. Then we're going to have a very false view of God. And we're going to miss some of the most wonderful things about God. And put way too much um, of our understanding of him on our own up and down all over the place, roller coaster faith. And we can't rest on that. We rest in the fact that God's love never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just, I mean, that that alone, that truth alone, I feel like has been such an anchor to me. I struggle with change. I struggle when things are changing around me. And just knowing that no matter what happens, no matter what I do, no matter what another person does to me, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will always love me. He, His forgiveness is not going to change. He's not going to withdraw. It's not going to be like, oh, sorry, the cross was enough for you, but now it's not. And being able to rest in that security does so much, I think, to our in building ability to build intimacy with Christ because we're really believing that He is who He says. And I do want to do a quick plug. If you or any of your listeners haven't read the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, you must. Okay, I feel like it is the best single book on the love of God um, for, I think the tag is the love of God for sinners and sufferers. And it's just God's heart 
for us and how he moves even towards us in our sin, how we shrink back thinking like, oh, I've been sinning, so let me get myself together before I go back to God and just how his heart is ever yearning to draw us to him. Okay, I will put that, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that it's easy to find. Well, and it goes right back to what you were saying about self-sufficiency too. If we think we have to move first, that falls right back into that self-sufficiency mindset. So there's just, Mm -hmm. there's so much of it that just ties together that once you kind of start unraveling it, it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Um, Okay, I know you have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) I want to hear it on the saying, God cares more about your holiness than your happiness. Oh, I do have a lot of thoughts. You ready for me to get spicy? Let's go. Um, So that is definitely something I have said before. So let me just throw me that too. out there. I have so to. No judgment. <laughs> I think it's it's been attributed to lots of different places. So I don't even know where it maybe first came out. I think it's just a common phrase Christians mm-hmm. say. So there are a few problems with that. Let me think through the order that I want to talk about. (laughs) So let me start by saying, God, of course, cares about your holiness, but God cares about your happiness too. These two don't act in opposition to each other. God has called us. God is a happy God. So I think sometimes we even just have this idea of God as the serious, stern, uh, waiting to watch you mess up and not be holy Scrooge in heaven rather than, no, God is a happy God. And he created this amazing world to be a blessing to us. He gave us taste buds. Like he didn't have to give us taste buds. He could have made us just be able to, you know, eat whatever and survive. But he, he made us so that we can enjoy different flavors. He made us so we can see beautiful things. And he, he made mountains for us to hike. He made music for us to hear. And so God has given us senses for pleasure and for joy and happiness. He delights in when we laugh together. Like these things are gifts from God because he's a happy God. So he created the earth out of this overflow of his own joy. So one, we got to just remember that. The second reason we can't pit these two against each other is because it it inadvertently questions the goodness of his law. So where he has created boundaries, where there is thou shalt or thou shalt not, Mm -hmm. those are there for our good. And so even though obedience is costly, so I never want to say that, yeah, happiness and like walking in happiness and holiness is like this easy thing. It's not an easy thing. It's something we have to fight for, but it is ultimately going to bring us to greater happiness. So when we're walking in obedience, it is trusting that, okay, even though saying no to this desire is difficult, I'm trusting that Jesus is better than that. And so maybe we don't feel the effects of that right away, but over time, I can honestly say that I can look back on sins I indulged in that I thought would fulfill that seemed like this is going to be what makes me happy. Never. (laughs) And then I look back on any time that I obeyed in a way that was costly and uncomfortable and even can feel like suffering. I think a lot of times our obedience can feel like suffering, but there is a greater joy and happiness that comes from that. Because when we walk in obedience to God's law and commands and His Word, that's the way of abundance. You know, Jesus came, He didn't come as a taker. He came to give us life and and abundantly. So 
we are called to abundance. It's just not going to be the abundance that we, maybe the, the world markets to us. It's not riches. It's not health. It's not, um, it's not in doing whatever we want, living mm-hmm. by our own desires. You know, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And taking up the cross is costly and painful. But in following him, there is abundant life. So we've got to do away with this phrase. <laughs> Because one, I think it gives it it makes us not think of God the way that we should. That we got to remember, He is a holy God, but He's a happy God too, um, and He created us to enjoy the gifts He's given us. And that also obedience and walking in holiness isn't a call to drudgery; it is a call to abundant life. He does want us to experience the joy that is found in obedience. Um, so yes. I think that that phrase needs to be done away with. Okay. Well, I'm really glad I brought it up because (laughs) (laughs) I knew you had thoughts on it. So I'm, I'm so glad you shared it. That was so good. All right, Amy, make sure to end this out. Tell everyone where they can find you and how they can grab a copy of your book, A Hunger for More. All right. You can find me very sporadically on Instagram <laughs> at Amy D. Marcangelo. It's like I'll post a bunch of times in a row for a couple of days and then you won't see me for a month. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, I'm on Instagram at Amy D. Marcangelo. I'm also on Facebook, also not as often <laughs> as I used to be, at Equipped for Mercy. The best place to find me is at my website, equippedformercy.com. And that's where there's you can read other articles, um, more about the book. But the book, you can buy wherever books are sold. It was published by Crossway. Uh, you know, it's, of course, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. But you can get the best deal, I will say, at 10ofthese or 10ofthose.com. Look up either one. I should have remembered that. We can all but look it up and put it in the show notes. You can all... Okay, there. Sounds good. So you can find the best deal... Uh, on the book there. And I really, even though the book is mainly geared or the initial idea of the book was geared towards people who've had maybe a similar background as me of growing up in the church, having a good life. It's also meant to encourage people who are newer in the faith, people who are just wrestling with this. Okay. I know Jesus now, but why is my heart still longing? Mm -hmm. And just to see like, Again, this is God's gift to you. This longing is because He wants to fill you. When you long for love, it's because He wants to love you. He wants you to know His love more. When you long for strength, it's because He wants to give you His strength. So I, I really you know, wrote this book in a way that I hope will encourage your heart to worship and love God more. All right. I love it so much. Thank you so much for coming out. I'm so glad we finally got to have this conversation. It was, it was worth the wait. Me too. Thanks for having me. Friends, I hope that you loved this episode of the podcast. If you have been enjoying these episodes, it would be so, so helpful to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. This is extremely helpful for new people being able to find the podcast, which allows us to keep producing these episodes that hopefully encourage you and bless you. And I hope that you are truly boldly pursuing where God has called you this week. Until next week, friends. See ya.